podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Footballers Podcast. I'm Steve Stokes and today I'm joined by two voices that will be very familiar to all of you who are long-time FootPod listeners. Genuine foot pioneers Matt Lamborn and his former Footstock pod partner Matt Aguilera. I had a great time hosting this reunion and if you enjoy our podcasts it'd be really great if you could support us by leaving a review on iTunes and maybe one day we can have the same massive audience that Footstock did. Speaking of which, let's go. Welcome to a takeover edition of the Footballers Podcast, where we discuss all things FIFA Ultimate Team. This is a familiar voice, isn't it? I am Matt Aguilera. And I am Matt Metz-Lamborn. I am Steve Stokes. Woo! At this time, yes, this is a special Footstock reunion starring me, Metz, and the wonderful Steve Stokes who put this all together. And now I feel completely lost because even though it feels like it's my show, it is not. So I'll hand us over back to Steve and we'll go from there. Thank you for having me on, first and foremost. No problem at all, man. Absolutely delighted to, to host this little reunion we've got on here. Um, I, was, I was a massive fan of the footstock back in the day. I missed it greatly when you guys stopped. And oh, well, yeah. that's kind. No, it, it left a, a bit of a gap there, which uh, weekly went some way to filling, but in a completely different way. But yeah, I, I, I miss the, the sort of irreverence of it. And I think that, I'd like to think anyway that Footballers is somewhat informed and guided by it slightly, obviously with Metz's presence. Would you say so, Metz? Well, it's at least 50% that way, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it it, it can never be quite the same without the original duo. And of course, this is our first time recording as a a threesome. And uh, it should be very interesting given the news that's gone on in the community this week. Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the thing that we're here to discuss really i was gonna say it's, it's probably been discussed to death but i don't think it really has i don't think there has been that much in-depth analysis of what's gone on it's icon gate as it's been uh tagged so for those people who have been living under a rock what's basically happened is that evidence has come to light of ea employees depositing prime icons and team of the year cards into people's accounts in return for actual cash money. I think we were talking about, wasn't it about 1,400 euros for three prime moments icons, I think, something like that. Yeah, or 1,700 for three prime moments and two team of the years. Bargain by any stretch. But who wouldn't want them? I would imagine one person who actually wouldn't want them would be Matt. Just for clarity here as well, we'll distinguish between the two Matts by referring to Matt Aguilera um, as Matt and Matt Lamborn, our familiar Matt as Mets, just to sort of avoid confusion. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it opens a, a massive can of worms, and I guess what we're going to do here is just sort of pull those worms out one by one, examine them, chuck them away, and uh, hopefully come out with a bit more clarity. So, uh, Matt, you you haven't really been massively involved with the game recently, have you? But this is, this is news that won't surprise you. I mean, you, you're very well versed in FIFA. You played for a long time. You understand the way this works, and yeah, what are your thoughts, mate? Well, um, yeah. So as you said, um, I have a kit of captain with FIFA. Obviously, uh, Footstock was my the love of my life at one point. So, and I loved FIFA. So I have 
I have kept up with it, and so to speak. But um, yeah, so with the icons, um, I don't know why we're meant to be outraged that um, people are, are selling players on the black market. Yeah. That it seems completely unspectacular as a story. I understand some people are very starved for content and they have a wish to be outraged. That's one thing or another. And I mean like YouTubers and that kind of thing. And it is a, it's a big story. I'm not going to say it's not that thing, but... Yeah, let, let, let's keep things into perspective. This has been on like Sky News and stuff. This is mainstream news. This isn't just like the FIFA community, someone taking the opportunity to cover it for five minutes and moving on. The mainstream's got hold of it. They think it's a big deal. And, and they, more than us as the FIFA community, are going to hold FIFA to account more than likely, right? Yes, it's definitely a big deal, I think. I mean, I, I totally agree with what you said there, Matt, in the sense that it's, it's not a massive shock. And that really, for me, is the disappointing part of it. I think with a lot of companies for this sort of thing to come out, I think there would actually be a lot more shock and outrage, really. But with EA, it's just sort of like, oh, well, there we go again. And it's it really opens up a, a much, much broader discussion, really. I've actually negotiated myself to to get these icon cards deposited into the accounts of famous people, celebrities, ex-footballers, what have you. Um, yeah, yeah. So That's always been going on, hasn't it? That, that well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very much aware that the system is there, obviously. I'm, I'm pretty much aware of how it works. And my understanding, this may not be gospel truth, but my understanding is that what had been happening is that certain of these cards that were deposited as complementary items into celebrity accounts were going unclaimed. And right. what was happening was that the people who were distributing the cards were basically taking the unclaimed cards and then selling those on the black market. Now, whether or not that's accurate or not, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I'm not 100% on that, but that's that's the understanding that I've been given. Um, so I guess the first thing that it raises really is these cards are being given to people who are often millionaires, multimillionaires. Um, and it, it, if there's one type of FIFA player who can afford to buy these cards, to buy the FIFA points, to stack up the coins to buy them, it's these people who are being given the free complimentary cards. So my thoughts on it, I would imagine, are quite obvious. I don't think that should be the case. Um, Mets, unload on that one. I think you'll have pretty strong views on that. Yeah, I think we've, we've touched on this point before that uh, I'm not a fan of the fact that celebrities can be given something for free that we have to either work very hard for or spend a, an untold amount of money to obtain ourselves. It should be a... A, a sort of free and open market space for everybody to to be able to obtain these cards, but I guess what this particular system has introduced is a critical stance of how the system currently works, whereby even people who could afford to pay outrageous amounts of money for these cards can't get them because the only way to get them is to open a near infinite amount of packs, and you might get one that you probably won't get one, even though you could afford to pay an astronomical sum to get it. So they're having to utilise these ridiculous workarounds by contacting people clandestine behind the scenes to get hold of something that they would quite happily pay a huge amount of money for, but they can't get them. And no one's going to set their opening packs and months, even if they can afford to do it, and they might not get what it is precisely that they're after. And that's the ultimate crux of this whole thing. And that's the massive problem is as well. I mean, I, I should have pointed this out that, you know, it's okay me saying that these celebrities can afford to buy these cards if, if they put enough FIFA points on. 
the actual fact of the matter is that they can't because most of these cards, certainly the uh, the most desirable cards, are extinct on the market. They're just they're not being packed. Um, the pack weight is so ridiculously low that they're, they're just not out there. Before we move on, Matt, what are your thoughts on celebrities being handed out these free icons in the first place? Um, I'm completely for it because what EA will be doing is they know that they need influencers to have these kind of things and it makes no sense to, to charge them, um, especially if they're celebrities who have a passed interest in FIFA. Um, so it's obviously part of their marketing strategy. Yeah. Um, celebrities very often get things for free because of their clout and influence. It's nothing to do with their bank balance. Of course they can afford it, but it's like when you go to the Oscars, they get um, those uh, bags full of like Gucci handbags and all that kind of stuff. I mean... Welcome to the club. You've got you've got celebrity. You've got clout. You get free stuff. So I mean, I'm just nonplussed about it. To be honest, I think that we know why we don't get them for free because we don't have the clout or influence. It's that simple, really. And I just not yet. So not yet. Yeah, yeah, precisely. But if I <laughs> if I did have the notoriety of celebrity, I mean, I, I dare say that I'd be on the receiving end of it, and uh, I wouldn't complain. So that's my take on that part, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's understandable that they do it. It's just, it's, I don't know, it's symptomatic of the crazy world that we live in, isn't it, really, in some ways? that uh, it's, it's, it's the epitome of the old saying that the rich get richer, isn't it? Um, which leads us on, really, to the next subject that I want to bring up, which ties in with this completely, is the fact that a lot of the content in FIFA is just completely inaccessible, not just to the average player, but to to people who grind the game. I mean, I, I dread to think how many hours I've put into it so far. I would think that, that Mets has probably put quite a lot of time in as well. And whereas, I mean, talking to you guys earlier before we started, I've been playing a bit of Call of Duty recently. And that's a game where if you grind the game, you can pretty much open anything in there that's of any real value, shall we say, anyway. And, and the grind is worth it. You, you're rewarded. You can play the full game. With FIFA, that's not the case. Mets, how do you feel about that? I think it's a, it's a difficult comparison to make to something like Call of Duty because FIFA is a deliberately imbalanced game because you're dealing with player cards that have to have a, a massive degree of range and ability, whereas the intent in Call of Duty is to have everything as close to balance as possible or at least have something to counteract the other. And there's this brief window if you're playing, say, Warzone on Call of Duty, whereby if you buy the season pack, you might get a slightly overpowered gun exclusive to you for a week or two, but then eventually everybody catches up. So if you're able to play with XP and open up the whole um, season pack's worth of extra content, you'll get all the same guns as the person who bought them outright. It just takes a little bit more time. And the other difference being is that Warzone is a game that's been around for just over 12 months it's likely to be around for several more years whereas we willingly subject ourselves to this system reset and ultimate team every 12 months whereby we're having to start again so even if you catch up 12 months later to where someone was in the first month or two by either super hardcore grinding or paying their way into a much better team you all go back to zero after 12 months and the process starts again. So theoretically, the little guy never catches up and that's the deliberate imbalance or the 
the class warfare system, as I like to call it, in, in, in Ultimate Team. It's it's something that's very difficult to compare to any other game out there because we're deliberately imbalancing things, and that's the way that it's going to stay because that's how football is in real life. You have the best clubs buy the best players, and they become much better than the other teams, and the other teams struggle to to, to keep up. Just just to interject briefly, Matt, um, I don't mean to disrupt your flow, but it's, it's a concept that's very difficult to understand for people outside of the game. Um, as you said a moment ago, it's become mainstream news. And my father was talking to me about it. Um, he's in his 80s, uh, pretty switched on, you know, for his age. Hope I get there one day and I'm the same. And he just couldn't get his head around the idea that people were paying hard currency for something that doesn't exist and will have basically no value in five or six months' time. You know, I, I tried to explain it in terms of, well, if somebody's hobby is playing the guitar, then they want to buy a decent guitar to play with to, to have the best experience. But then obviously the argument against that is that well, it's a guitar that's that's essentially going to explode in four months and you won't be able to <laughs> play it anymore, you know. So, it's yeah, it's mind-blowing. But yeah, sorry, go on. That, that that was pretty much the end of my run. But yeah, you, you make a, a very good point there. And you're lucky that you've invited on the exact right person to talk about exploding guitars. <laughs> I'm sure uh, I'm sure Matt would have something to say about the, the short versus long-term value of uh, guitar collecting. Oh, my God. Well, I, I know I've spent a lot of money on guitars over the years. I've had about 100. God, goodness gracious me. Wow. Changed them all around and that kind of thing. I, I, I only have one these days. Uh, I've remained loyal to it, but... Aside from that, I mean, we're, we're talking about um, the idealism of what would, would change with FIFA, and it it does seem bizarre compared to the games that have digital goods that um, it resets every year, and therefore the value of each plummets every year of whatever you've put money into. But it's all a sunk cost. You, the, the thing is, you can't get any cash out anyway, and we know that it has value because people pay for it. Yeah, it's it's perceived value, not actual value. Well, no, perceived value is actual value. Yeah, well, that's what I'm, what I'm saying, that there isn't a way to um, actually take money out of the system, officially speaking, but because people perceive the value of these items to be X, either in terms of grind or FIFA point investment or black market investment, as it's come to, to be known as this week, then, yeah, these, these items are of value and, and cash is exchanging hands between people to obtain some of these items. And, and let's be honest, this has been going on since before even me and you were podcasting. You know, we created our Footstop podcast to try and guide people into um, advancing their ability, predominantly in trading. Yes. So they could actually sell their coins and make money. That was what we were about initially. That's right. We changed our stance on that as we became more of a well-rounded FIFA uh, and Ultimate Team information source. But this has been going on since... The very, very early days. It's just that's not always been at the forefront and everyone's attention. And EA have tried in vain to try and stem that that secondary marketplace. And if anything, they all they've done is perhaps even made it easier than it used to be now. Uh, people can trade coins very easily. There's plenty of big YouTubers who are sponsored by coin selling sites that they're hardly going out of their way to clamp down on it, let's be honest. Well, the thing is... Where there's a closed market and where people would like to exchange money for goods, market solutions come out, don't they? So people do want to pay for coins. We know that. We know people do it. And it makes sense compared to 
paying for FIFA points. It is against the terms and conditions and I defend EA's right to enforce those terms and conditions. It's their game after all. It's their, it's their company. So they can do what they want within reason. Um, and I defend their right to these alleged EA employees, whatever that is in the mix there, I defend their right to terminate them and sue them for, if that's what it, it comes down to. But um, the problem lies squarely with EA uh, they obviously want this system. They want the volume of pack opening versus selling directly to you um, cards or players or whatever it may be. And they also don't want to have a marketplace like the Steam marketplace for Counter-Strike Go skins. They don't want that market and take a slice from it from real money. Um, and we can speculate about to why that would be. And I just come back to they want volume sales and also... They don't want to have the murky, dirty, their murky hands with thinking that we know now if a a team of the year Cristiano Ronaldo card, if he was on a Steam marketplace, um, well, we'd, we'd see what the value was of that card. I, I would guess it'd be something like 2,000 quid. I was easily. thinking exact, the exact same amount, yeah. Might be more, it might be five grand, I don't know. But I do know people would pay it if they were, if they, if they were allowed to. To be fair, I mean, I know and I understand why a lot of pro players would pay for these cards to give themselves that real competitive edge and, and because they know that other guys will be doing it, you know, so so why shouldn't they? And also it's the flex factor as well. Like pe- People like seeing the fact that they've got a big stacked up team and knowing it's it's cost money to get it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we often talk about putting on our tinfoil hats Um what I'm going to do here is put on my cynics hat and just throw out the suggestion that maybe, maybe EA actually aren't all that upset about the way that this has played out. Because I think that with the loot box saga and with the court rulings in Holland, there was always going to be some sort of change enforced. They were, they were always going to have to move to some kind of different model. And perhaps by this happening, and the ensuing outrage occurring, EA can now turn around and say, look, you know, we've listened to the community. We're going to implement a new style of of acquiring cards. And, you know, probably you will be able to buy them more directly. Um, What are your thoughts on that, Max? Am I just being cynical? Um, No, I think you're being quite logical. And, you know, we were talking about this last week completely off subject, that this was how... Um, the various jurisdictions that EA operate in are going to force them to go via regulation and that the marketplace would become open where people would just pay up front for whichever cards it is they want. I imagine packs will still play a part to a degree, but it'll be more defined about what you get in a pack. So let's say you pay 7,500 coins or the equivalent FIFA points for a premium gold pack. You will get exactly X amount of cards of X amount rating capped at, say, rating of 80 or something like that. So you, you kind of know exactly what you're getting. And then anything that goes beyond that, you're going to have to go to the marketplace and purchase individually at a, a scalable price. So the 80s will be you know, a pound, 82s, a fiver, informs, 20 quid, and then on and on it goes. And I think... Or the, the, coin, the coin equivalent, I guess, yeah. Yeah, precisely. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And it'll probably cost you more in coins than it would do in cash, and that that's just a logical way of doing it, right? Well, at least it would justify the tax, which is another outrage, but that's another subject. Sure. 
but that, that that's their way of controlling the whole economy in the game and, and that that's a discussion for a different day but i think that the community would struggle to adapt to that initially and then they'll they'll just come to grips with it kind of like how they did there was a, a massive outrage when they introduced price ranges and there's been various other things over the years as well right um the skeptics speak loudest initially and when they see things aren't going the way they just end up complying the same as everybody else because ultimately no one's prepared to vote with their feet and leave the game they all want to play a football game and realistically there's only one of choice if you like playing a, an ultimate team style mode um pairs is just not in the running these days so no one's ultimately going to leave though they will adapt even if it's reluctantly and ea will, will carry on making as much money as they did before but i would welcome that change. That said, I'm I'm perfectly okay with people being fine to open packs and sort of gamble within FIFA. That is their right to do so. If they find enjoyment from that, ultimately people should be allowed to do what they want with their money. But there are people, whether it's people on the lower end of the financial scale who would want one specific card that isn't out of this world crazy good and they want to want to pay a small amount of money to get that fine, or the people who want the, the absolute top end 99 Pelés and prepared to pay four figures for them people can do what they like with their money and, and ea will still make as much revenue as they did before as somebody who i was going to say parked fifa matt um but you effectively you kind of abandoned it didn't you by the roadside mm. for, for quite some time and then returned to it after a while so i suppose it was technically parked just for a very long time um yeah 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 maybe uh, <laughs> if ea went to that kind of model would yeah. that encourage you back to the game? Or? Um, I've that that doesn't. I'm not interested one little bit about how they go around, sort it out or whatever. Um, um, my issues are more with the mechanics of the game. Um, right. To be completely truthful, yeah. um, and more like it's more like to do with weekend league. But uh, um, I think it's an incredible shame that um, I've having seen lots of digital markets and how they perform. FIFA's one of the worst ones for for consumers, only in the fact that you can't exchange things for money at the end of the day. And everybody wants to, because we know it's worth we know it's worth money and we want to be able to do so. Yet we can't because of, of um EA's terms and conditions and how they sort it out. Um I just think it's I've seen what CSGO's done in France for is it France or in Belgium? Can't remember. One or the other. Um, they use an X-ray scanner instead of a box now, to, so you can you. It's it's exactly the same thing. The case is exactly the same, except instead of putting a key in and seeing the uh, the spinning of the wheel for what skin you get, you see a scan of a box. It says, "By the way, you've won this skin. Do you want to keep it?" That's what happens instead. That's how they've got around it that way. Right. And also, I've seen what's happened with, with Rocket League, where they had to abandon the loot box system and go to a. Um, a blueprint system, which is like the X-ray, where, oh, you've got this rare skin, uh, it's yours, but you have to pay £2 to unlock it. Uh, and then what happens with that is uh, you can't trade it anymore on the Steam marketplace. So um, there's, you can only trade skin for skins with friends, so there's no way of um, turning that into currency. Uh, legitimately, anyway, within terms and conditions, I mean. So basically, you've just got to take it on the chin that as soon as you engage with FIFA Ultimate Team or any of these games really you're, you're throwing money away effectively or you're, you're investing it in your hobby and it's, it's gone that's, that's right. it you know? yeah but I, I think any system that goes away from um, what the developer wants I mean ultimately I mean 
who wants the Holland uh, government to tell you how you can run your business when it comes to, and especially when it comes to the entertainment business? Yeah, um, I, I just was Matt. Correct me if I'm wrong here. But I was having second thoughts. Was it was it the Dutch or was it the Belgians? I think it might be Belgium. The Belgians initiated the whole whole clampdown on uh, on randomised content and that kind of thing. Yeah, we do. So obviously that links to the. So that'll be EU based somewhere along the line. It must be. But um, yeah, I just don't know. Like, I, 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 you don't want the market to regulate. Uh, sorry, you don't want the government to regulate mm. it because it's bad enough how yeah, it works. Just to stop you, Matt. Just one second. The reason why Belgium in particular took such a strong interest in this. Is because they liken the whole pack opening to gambling, and they have a very recently established uh, gambling regulatory body in Belgium, and they've kind of grabbed Ultimate Team and put it in alongside traditional online gambling, yes. because they don't really understand exactly what's going on. So they're treating the two as the same ultimately. Yeah, and this is why we've seen things happening in FIFA where it shows that they're clearly preparing for sort of global regulation now by allowing. Um, things like playtime limits, pack opening limits, spending limits, the kind of uh, responsible gambling features that you would get in any online casino are creeping into FIFA. Because EA know it's coming eventually, slowly country by country, market by market, they're going to have to adhere to these standards in a similar fashion that they're having to in Belgium. And that that's just the way it's going to go. Matt, what are your thoughts? Well, the, the thing that... We're, we're kind of getting around to you in a roundabout way is that um, we're talking about how this market operates and we're kind of flirting around with how it's how, we, how we would solve it um, with the arrogance of thinking we're good enough to run a company like EA perhaps. But, you know, give us some slack. We are just discussing it. We're just some lads discussing uh, ways of sorting these things out. Um, and obviously what's happening with these, um, the, the pros or whoever, the whales who want to buy these cards is there's obviously a supply and demand issue. And there's also a, a, a desire for these people to buy these cards. And this this is an unmet, yeah. it's an unmet need. So the market's found the solution in terms of the EA employees have got the access to them and they're dropping them in people's accounts. And the problem we've, we've got with that is obviously it seems unfair on the surface and I can explain how it is fair, which will be very uh, counterintuitive to what most people would think. And uh, um, it's... It's a clear case of um, the reason why it's limited information rather than out there is the EA employee has an interest in the fact that they have to limit who they talk to and who they give it to uh, because they don't want it getting out everywhere and then get sacked. Uh, so I can understand that. And I defend EA's right to sack them, by the way, even though I don't think they're doing anything morally wrong, anybody in this mix. I don't think anybody's doing anything ethically wrong either. I, I don't think they, that's not even part of it. I just think the people stumbling upon uh, a demand and, and making profit from it. And of course, 1700 sounds expensive uh, is flat cash. But I think that's cheap considering what you're getting and how much it would cost for you to get it through pure luck of opening up packs. And we know that. We know that intrinsically. It's just obviously most people prefer to get the 1700 and keep it in the bank or spend it on a laptop than they would to spend it on virtual goods. And I defend their right to do, do it either way. Um, I don't care as long as people are free to do so. Um, so... Um, yeah, you've got the EA employees who are doing it in their self-interest to make sure that they keep their job and limit the information. And the buyers, they're obviously limiting the information that they get because they want to keep their accounts. They don't want to just be saying that they're paying. They know it's against the terms and service. Um, 
and it's it's also um, implausible that anybody who does this kind of action um, would think that it was legitimate. It would think when I say it's legitimate, I mean it's it's within the terms of, of service. So surely, no, there will be a harsh retribution for taking part in this kind of behaviour. And I think that's where my um, limit of it comes. Totally okay with how EA reacts to it now. They take care of it because it's their their money, and they can make a case for their losing money. Whereas I, I think that somebody who's a whale spending seventeen hundred on a single player is still likely to open pack. So it's it it would be hard to quantify that, and it would be speculative. But they could make that case. Um, Do you want to just explain very quickly for those who aren't familiar with? gambling terminology what a whale is oh did all right yeah uh, so yeah a whale just means uh it's a it's like a guy who spend a guy or gal who's spending loads of money at the casino they're called a whale because they're they're big that they've got big pockets <laughs> so they're spending lots yeah. of cash it's, it's essentially like a it's a vip and they're generally carefree with how they spend their money so yeah. they're like the the primary customers of any casino or in this case a video game They'll buy every piece of content that comes out, no matter what price it is, over and over again. Essentially, they they seem to have almost limitless amounts of money, and you can, you know, run your promotions around that, that I think accordingly. That is part of what has driven this market as well. It's something that we haven't mentioned, but again, I may be wrong here, and you know, that's the disclaimer. If I am, fair enough. But from my understanding of the way that this all emerged, I think it was through a content creator. Um, basically getting access to somebody's account who had bought these icons. Um, I don't know whether some some direct messages were, were published between two unknown parties. Um, we don't know who they are, so it would be wrong to, to hazard guesses. But that, that's that's the way that it seems to have come out. That um, It would be better if everybody knew this information and could take advantage of it, which is... Um, so people will know the term insider trading. Probably it's an, it's, it's it's illegal, but it yeah. shouldn't be. It should be completely legal um, because people who get information should be able to trade upon it. And if people did just trade upon it, um, the whole market would be aware of it quicker. So there's a there's a there's a a great fiscal, economic, and fair and in fairness, there's an argument for allowing insider trading because everybody benefits effectively whereas what people hear is insider trading means i'm the ceo of a company i tell my son oh uh, get ready we're going to have a great quarter he tells his mate and he makes he makes a big bet on it it's the same as when i suppose uh and i'm again i would i'm not against this either when uh, kevin trippier went to atletico madrid he told some people in his whatsapp group and they they, they placed bets on it knowing that they were going to obviously win um, and obviously the bookies didn't like that. And of course, it is against the FA rules. So I'm not saying the, the FA can't have those rules. I just, it just doesn't make any sense to me because we want people to trade on the information and people to have as much of the information as possible. So, um, so that's just another analogy of how, whilst this, it does seem unfair, it, the, the fairest thing would be that everybody had access to the information. Um, so yes, it's, um, we don't live in the we don't have the ideals because this is the way that EA operates, and because of the self interest of the buyers and sellers, this is why we have this cloak and dagger kind of limited access, uh, limited information going on. I, I think that's a <laughs> hope that great, made sense. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point actually because um, I mean it kind of ties back to what we said a bit earlier about 
FIFA being a deliberately uneven playing field. So, you know, there's there's some irony in there, I suppose, that that it's happened this way. Um, I, I suppose, really, to sort of round this off, the the ultimate question with this is that if we do put ourselves in the position of, of the CEO of EA, mm, now this what, is the, allow now a light where you go with right. This. So, so what what do we do to? Uh, do you know what I'm going? I'm going to throw this open as either one of you can grab it and just do a back and forth like you used to in the footstock days. What's the answer? Matt, go ahead. Right. Okay. So Matt made a, a bunch of great points there about the market and the inaccessibility has driven this workaround that people have found a solution due to the, the lack of availability of the items that they want. And being forced to regulate is bad for the customer and also for the seller's freedoms, and it would likely force EA into taking greater accountability for their actions, which I think is what the Bay mob online want, even though we kind of loosely agree that they haven't really done much wrong at this point. But for me, the gripe is presuming that these these super icons should be available in super limited quantities in packs. How did EA not know what was happening here? Who's ultimately responsible for monitoring the number of those cards in their existence and what controls do they have in place to prevent it from happening ab, ab lib into infinitum? Because you can't you can't have dozens and dozens of these cards running around because it would destroy the game, right? Yeah, I mean that is exactly what gave birth to my uh, to the cynical idea earlier that you know perhaps EA aren't that unhappy about this. Uh, it wouldn't be uncommon to uh, to fly a flag as they say certain things to. Uh, I don't know. It could be a, a false flag up. They could have put the information out there themselves and sort of prepare prepare the market for what is coming. Who knows? But yeah, let's presume that they're doing everything legitimately in their eyes and there's no like shenanigans going on. Presumably EA have some sort of form of internal security team who would be monitoring, monitoring for precisely this kind of activity. And if they didn't, then regulation would almost certainly ensure that that happens. They'd have to be accountable for everything that's going on. Then they must know, though, Matt. I mean, they—they. They, I think they do. The know. way that EA controls the market, they must know how many prime icons are out there. They—they they must know how many prime Pele's are out there. For God's sake, they must. Yeah, I mean, the way I've always thought that this whole generation of special cars works and used to say this back in our podcast back in the day we can't prove what i'm about to say is right or wrong but this is my theory based off experience is that their system will generate a new whatever special card as a super super tiny fractional percentage of the overall database so let's say for every million cards that gets put into the system bog standard card a special card gets spat out with it so something like a an inform or to the ultimate extreme, something like a special rude or hullet or something like that. And that should be the only way that those cards come into existence. So for every so many million cards, we get one of these super desirable cards. If that system is upset, so the super cards become less special or, or easier to obtain, then their perceived value, as we spoke about earlier, also then diminishes. So it has to be in conjunction with what's going on with the rest of the card generation within the game, right? Yeah. So that's why they should know, down to the absolute number and the percentage, how many of those type of cards get created in the game and ultimately who possesses them, right? And it should be very odd for one person to ever pack one of these. And if they pack 
two, that's even crazier. And if they've got three, four, or five, then that's a red flag and they should be investigated. Um, unless, of course, they've no- even knowingly been given them and then they'll get sort of whitelisted or something in their back-end system or they know that they sold them to them in the first place and then this becomes a whole moot point. Aren't we talking about collaboration, if that's the case? Aren't we talking then about somebody who has access to the distribution of these cards collaborating with somebody who oversees the security and... I don't know. The more I think about this, the more the deeper it runs, it seems to go. Um, and just to clarify as well, by the way, I think I may have referred to them as, as prime icons. It's what we're talking about is, is prime moments icons, just just to be clear on that. Um, but yeah, am I right in thinking that, Matt? Or Well, that that's definitely, uh, if there's internal fraud, then that that's, that's super serious. And that's probably something that EA are looking at if they're not already entirely aware of what's going on but i think what's more than likely happened as i think you steve alluded to at the beginning of this podcast is that this is a means of of marketing and the influencer age of things and okay we we still want to make money from these um these supercars but we're prepared to give them away essentially and maybe i don't know there could be an agent within EA who seeks out influencers to give these cards to, and they they get a little kickback either from the influencer or from EA. If you manage to put these cards into the account of an influencer that we would like, we'll give you a bonus of some sort. You know, they might actually have you know um, actual targets in their job to to put those cards into people's accounts that we're just not aware of, like key results, that kind of thing that people are measured on every year. We we don't know, and this is what we're dealing with here. Is there's a lot of misinformation and and certainly a, a lack of clarity as to how these things operate. So you're saying basically um, that the mythical red list may actually be a thing. I don't even know what that is. That's the first time I've heard that mentioned. The red list so is the idea. Do you that, explain what you're referring to? It's the idea that certain people that are on a list where they get preferential packs, basically. Well, I don't know about that. I think I think the integrity of, of pack opening has to be absolute, otherwise they'd be held to pay. Um, but there, there might be a YouTuber or a Twitch streamer who's synonymous with opening a lot of packs with real money. Let's call I him Castro. Right. <laughs> Let, let's let's use Castro as the example. Not that we're saying he's doing anything wrong here whatsoever, because we're not. But he must spend a chunky five-figure amount at least on opening packs every year. You've got to be pretty naive to think he doesn't get at least some of that back. He might have to like buy the FIFA points of his own money up front, but I'm sure he gets something back. You can claim and it it's back not on just tax. In, in, there's, there's, there has to be like, something to, to sort of balance that out because mm. he's running a business ultimately at the end of the day, and that's such a large amount of money that he spends carefree every day on his stream. It's such a massive, massive loss that he surely must get some of that back. That That's my opinion. I don't know, know for sure. Don't forget, though, I mean, it is it is where he makes his livelihood. So it's just, it's a, it's a cost, and you must make a profit on it. Yeah, no, they do it. They do it for the content. I get it, but I'm sure you could still make a v- viable content and spend far less than he does. But you know, maybe he's just an addict. Who who knows? Well, it's also a lazy way of, of creating content as well, isn't it? There's not a lot of thought or right. effort or planning goes into <laughs> opening a load of bloody packs on a stream, is there? Really? I know, but the thing you say right. that, but then 
how come, you know, not everybody's doing it. Nobody can do it the volume that he does. So and people watch him and he makes money from it. So it sounds like he's winning to me. It doesn't sound like he's losing. I, I, well, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy whereby his viewers want to see him open packs. So they donate money to him to open packs to get the content that they want to consume. There's there's different ways of, of going around it. And we're not saying for a minute Castro does anything wrong here. No, he is a community favourite after all, and he's he's generally kept his. He says he's a golden boy. Isn't yeah, it? he's kept his nose pretty clean compared to some people in the FIFA community. Um, but I think this is it harkens back to a problem with Ultimate Team that's been there since the dawn of time. That there's too much going on that we aren't privy to, and even though that they've committed to in statements in the past to say that they would be more uh, transparent about the, how they operate, how things work in-game, what stats affect what. There's still too much that's unknown. So many years after this game mode became a thing, and it causes the community, and us included, to speculate. And sometimes it's harmful. Sometimes we we hit it on the nose like we did with Ken Gate, and we get called conspiracy theorists for it because people don't like to be told or made to feel idiots for enjoying the game that they just want to enjoy, right? And they get offended by it. Well, I mean... Look what happened with Kemgate. I mean, literally nothing happened. It was Yeah. And this this is the the bigger point here, I think, is you know, people can have their opinion on what's going on right now with EA Gate, if you want to call it that. But Kemgate Kemgate was far worse and people they lost their heads for a few days and then they got on with their lives. Kemgate was a was a far worse uh, uh, scandal because Matt, for the people who I mean, some people have only started playing in the last couple of years, just explain briefly what Kemgate was. Because you oh, guys goodness, were, goodness, you, you were goodness gracious. <laughs> you, you were pretty much hot on it, weren't you? Yeah. Well, so what was discovered is um, back in the day, <laughs> informs used to be just like a, a plus one. They're very rarely like a plus three or four like they've become in recent years. And people used to swear that if they put a hunter on for like me, it was James Rodriguez at the time. I could get inform James Rodriguez with a hunter card, and yet. The original with the Hunter card felt better. And everybody used to think this was some kind of, um, it was like a placebo. There was there was no scientific evidence to it. Tinfoil. Yeah, yeah, completely. People were just saying it was completely made up. And I used to even say it myself. Like, I, was like, I know it's not meant to be real, but it definitely doesn't feel as good. They're like, this card doesn't seem to shoot as well. It seems a bit off the pace. Anyway, so we had this feeling. And then it turns out that there was a marker of which, we, because we found out that Hunter or whatever cards added a certain amount of attributes, depending on the chemistry, um, we, so we knew what that was. We worked out, um, what was the guy's name, Metz? Was he, what, Righteous Onyx. Righteous Onyx, yeah. So Righteous Onyx found out that if you had a certain amount of flair, I've forgotten what the attribute was now, I'll be honest with you, it's been that long ago. It was either something yeah, if, to do if, you, if, you, if you boosted your chemistry style on a certain attribute, it then enabled a card to do a particular skill move. So the, so the normal card could, could execute it, but the inform with the same attribute boost couldn't do it. And that's basically what led to the revelation of Chemgate, that yeah. the special cards were any better than the actual normal cards were. And we were all pack chasing and, and transferring for, for zero benefit whatsoever. We were all made to feel like fucking fools. So, yeah, to put that into context, because it's, it's such a big point and it sounds made up, the informs were just regular cards with with boosted attributes that did nothing. 
They couldn't be boosted. Chemistry didn't work. So what that did mean is that for a while, you could play a left back up front who was there was was he someone liked Alex Tellez was it? I think it was him at the time where he was super powerful everywhere. So you could just play him up front and you'd get no chem um, penalty. It, so it worked both ways. You got no chem boost, but you got no, you got no chem ben- penalty. So they're all on seven chem. So that's why Hamas Rodriguez plus one felt nowhere near as good as regular Hammers with a hunter card. Now, like we were, we were like lied to, and then it was all covered up, and no one gave it us. No one cared at all. It was like it just literally came and went within within a week. Nothing happened. All the the regular FIFA content stalwarts at the time, they were all, I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, why would you, why would you poop where you eat, so to speak? I don't blame them whatsoever. They did exactly what was right for them and they didn't care either. And it was, it was fine. They had financial interest, making sure that they kept their relationship good with FIFA. And we tried to keep our relationship good with FIFA, but it was hard to ignore at the time. And we did feel annoyed about it. That was a way bigger deal than this. Look, I'm sorry, some guys in EA have sold some cards. I'm, I, I just don't care. It just, I don't feel any outrage. I don't feel there's anything... I've explained why there's nothing morally going wrong here. Um, this is what happens when you have closed systems. People try and get around it. Pro- prohibition rarely works. And I think also to go along with that, um, it's interesting to see how people react to something where they think somebody is benefiting and lots of money is changing hands. Yet, when the whole system was against you, and the whole system was broken, and it affected everybody, no one cared. Just remember that. Like, your principles are completely wrong. That's all I can say on that. I think you're absolutely right. And um, I, I think your cat made a great point there as well. I mean, I'd also, <laughs> I'd, I'd also completely <laughs> forgotten who Reichisonics was. So, yes, it's good to... Yeah. Good so to, uh, shout out to yeah. him. Well, he, he, he unfortunately is part of the problem. I'm not here to like shit on people, but he had the key to bring EA down on that one. And he instead abused his position of newfound infamy to try and buddy up with influencers. And basically they didn't fucking want to know him after a few days. So uh, he could have been, he could have been something very special and he, he misplayed his hand massively, unfortunately. I, I only think we could say he misplayed his hand because, I mean, he, he just nothing happened, did it? I mean, nothing went on. I mean, he could have done a crusade, and a, he could have done a righteous crusade. I mean, that's not a pun. I mean, genuinely, it's ironic because you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he and he was. Yeah, he couldn't have been. He couldn't have been less righteous. Ultimately, he just wanted well, to get a little I bit. Mean, I think that's that harsh. I mean, I can't remember truly what he did. What he started doing some videos on the back of getting some attention, and he kind of abandoned the cause. But. I mean, nobody, nobody helped him really. We were the, we were the only no, podcast we that was, we did, but we we were one podcast in a sea of, you know, you know the regular fuck. F- um, we were drowned out by the wider, more powerful voices in the, in the yeah, community. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we lost that battle. Completely. I mean, we didn't even we didn't we didn't even score a goal, so to speak. We just literally got absolutely trounced. Um, even though we think we were we were we hundred percent right in our um, assessment. Yeah, of I think I think some people were, were genuinely concerned, and not just from the money aspect, like the people who were doing it for a living, but just the general flavour of how it was going very quickly was that if we pursue this to its end, we won't have a FIFA to play, and they would rather have a shit FIFA than no FIFA whatsoever. And that's how the community sort of ended up falling on, on their own sword on that one. Honestly, I just think these are revealed preferences, aren't they? I don't think people were that bothered, I'll be honest with you. In the same way, when it comes to pass, in four weeks' time, no one will give a 
toss about this story. The FIFA 22, um, uh, the, the, the marketing hype train for FIFA 22 will just get on. And people should be like, oh, the new game's going to come out. Oh, look what they've brought in. They've brought in um, passive, aggressive acceleration. It's amazing. Look at that. Oh, look what they've done. They've also brought in a new engine. And, oh, this engine does this. And, oh, my God, look what they've done with the passing. There's now a timed passing feature. And, oh, the right stick now, you could use that. And... Um, do you know what I mean? They're like everyone just moves on, and people just want to play FIFA, and I don't blame them. But just I I, I can't square that up with being outraged with uh, people finding a, a a way of filling a market demand and benefiting themselves, and also they will pay the penalty for themselves at some point, and mm. that's it. But but again, I'm, I'm probably I'm labouring the point now. I know I am because I'm going on a bit, but. When we proved there was something going on that affected everybody who played the game, no one cared. And I don't see why this is more special. I guess it's just because there's money involved. That's it. I think the only time that we'll hear of it really in the future is from EA. And, you know, I don't mean to labour this point either, but I think that they could quite easily use it as a justification for changing their system. Um, Well, I mean, that would be good because, well... I know you said at one point, like, if we were CEO, what would we do and what would we change, that kind of thing. But it's hard for me to think because I, th- I think they're probably doing the right thing for them and they've they've modelled everything. They know the algorithms that they have. They see how much money is spent. They see what the buying behaviour is like. So going for volume of packs must work and they don't want to change the system. I don't blame them. So they must not want an, a, a, a market that you can trade for cash. But, I mean, that's what I'd want. I'd, just want, I'd, I'd want a CSGO market where I pack Cristiano Ronaldo and if, and if the market values him at £5,600, I can sell him for that money. EA take a slice. I get the rest and everybody's happy. The guy who wanted Cristiano Ronaldo for 5700 gets it. And the guy who wants to sell it for that cash gets the cash. It's just... That's the, that would be the best outcome. And, of course, we talk about the highest end of the market, but if you pack somebody uh, like a, a 78-buddy inform, I mean, that's got some value to someone somewhere for cash. I mean, it might be three quid, but at least you could sell it and, you know, use it. So I prefer that system, and that's why, I mean, I've got loads of investments in CSGO. Since I've left for all I've been doing is, like, digital good investments and also stock investments. And to let you into a little secret that I was going to go into earlier, the whole reason why it was called Footstock, I don't even think, we talked about this at the beginning, didn't we, Mets? But I think the re- one of the reasons why we picked Footstock was we were hoping to use it as a transition into getting people to understand markets and get them to make speculative trades so that they could use that knowledge to, to make their own trades in the, in the real stock market at some point. That was definitely a theme of what we were shooting for, yeah. So that was the idea. And then, of course, the, the market got capped and changed. We could have done the same thing anyway. I even was going um, to get a stock market ex- expert come on. Uh, what was her name now? Uh, anyway, it was a female one who was notorious on Twitter and I was going to get her to explain the, um, the economics of it and also how it, would, how it relates to the stock market. So that was my main thing. I was hoping we could turn foot traders into traders. That was what I really wanted to do. So I did that on my own for myself, really, and that's why I've, I've disappeared. And I still love playing games. But as I say, uh, my interest has waned here or there. But, uh, yeah, so if I could just pick a solution for me, um, I'd, I would keep packs. If you don't like buying packs, I don't care. If you think packs are bad, I don't care because there's plenty of people who, sp- who willingly spend money to get them. If they have troubles spending money, um, I mean, I spent thousands on packs, so 
but you know nobody forced me to there's no coercion in this you can't say it's coercion if you feel persuaded that's up to you obviously you must you must want it in some way anyway get, getting away from from that one somewhat uh yes i just i just think keep the loot boxes but give me a market where i can trade for cash that would be my ideal scenario and I think then you wouldn't have... Well, you'd still have black markets where people try and undercut or whatever, but there'd be less incentive because there would be a market there that would have ca- would have the cash there and then. So, com si, com sa. Anyway, there we go. That's that. There's that one. If Matt Aguilera was, was king of EA for a day, that's what he would do, folks. <laughs> now we know. Um, and also, um, uh, I'd make FIFA more like Pez, because Pez is better as a game. You can't say that. Not on here. <laughs> How many hours you put into Pez, though? Seriously, um, I've never. I I think I last uh, played Pez in 2016. I think. There we go. I tell you, alone as a football game, Pez is is really nice. And I I wish it was FIFA was more like Pez. I really do these days, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. But here we are. Well, I, I mean, it's been an argument for quite some time that the gameplay is, is perhaps better in Pez, but the the ultimate team mode is just lacking, isn't it? You know, kind of as oh, as mess up. It's awful, yeah. rubbish. Absolutely, it's not very good. The player base is there. If it had the player base, I mean, we'd just abandon FIFA. But FIFA's just it's a juggernaut. Mm. Yeah, even giving it away, they can't get people to play it. Yeah, precisely. I mean, and also another thing I would say is in terms of the an idealistic solution is that. Um, like CSGO. CSGO came out in 2012. It's still played hard now, every day. And the market just keeps going up and up in real value. We've we've had cases of um, stickers, which are consumables. So literally, use the sticker and that's it, it's gone. Some of those can go up to like £15,000 now for some of the rare ones. Wow. Yeah, and you can make speculative trades on it. Uh, I would look into it. Um and if you st- if so, if anybody does play CS:GO out there, it's very unlikely that they spend any time doing any kind of trading on FIFA because it seems so boring. Because there's 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 real money to be made in CS:GO. Like, it, you don't need to be an EA employee putting cards into people's uh, into people's accounts and selling it on the black market. You could just literally go out there and sell it. So, wow. it, it seems it seems completely immature and Fisher Price. What EA do? I have to be honest. But I defend their right to do it as badly as they want. Well, I want to wind the conversation back a little bit because I think we've we've covered pretty much everything now that that we wanted to at the start of the podcast. Um, so I, I want to wind the conversation back a little bit, not not exactly to Chemgate, but back to the sort of time of Chemgate. And as I said at the start of the podcast, I myself was was an avid listener of Footstock, um, or as it latterly became the Foothead podcast, and then I think it went back to Footstock, didn't it? Briefly, I don't know, but um, yeah. The question that I want to know, and it's it's the first time that I've spoken to both of you, and I've never had the chance to ask it before. And I'm sure there'll be some old school listeners out there who will also want to know the answer to this question. Lots of rumours all over the place when you did end the podcast about the reasons why. Um, I think there were some particular. Particularly spicy ones on on Reddit with a Matt. Remind me, I, I I did see stuff. People saying like we'd we fallen out of Foothead because of Chemgate, which isn't true. We never fell out of Foothead at all. Tom at Foothead was they were glorious to us. They did nothing. They basically just said I I sorted out the whole Foothead thing. That was I I interviewed Chew Boy, which basically made Footstock overnight. It just became a big success. 
Like, we never looked back then. Chewboy completely made it for us. Chewboy's interview was ace. I loved every second of it. And then he interviewed, um, wasn't Tom, the guy who owned Foothead at the time. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry you, my name, your name escapes me right now. Shit, that's awful for him. But um, I interviewed him and I just said, look, we should just join forces. I'll do your podcast. Have our podcast. And we just said, look, we'll do the Foothead podcast. Footstock on its own, you know. We, we like the name, but that's about it, really. But it was just a, a great opportunity for us to make a, a platform. So, I mean, I'll just do it from my perspective. I'm sure Metz will do it from his. Um, so we love doing the Foothead podcast because we got a bigger audience straight away. Um, the only thing that we didn't see was a lot of the... We didn't know whether things were working sometimes because all we got to see really were the YouTube stats. We didn't see what was going on with the with the, the podcast. We don't... I can't recall how many podcast subscribers we had. If you ask me now, I have no idea. couldn't tell you. And we missed a, a gate... Uh, I, missed, I missed an opportunity for us to like monetize or whatever and it just seemed to be that was always going to be a bit of an issue so we thought look we've we'll see how much notoriety we've gained from foothead podcast we'll go back to being footstock because then we'll have all the control ourselves put just on the back end that's all we were fussed about them and then we thought well we could do it as a video podcast which was which was ultimately a mistake um only because we didn't keep it as a podcast people liked it as a podcast they didn't mind the video podcast but they liked listening to us, they liked listening to us on his apps. And um, I wanted to still do it as a podcast, and Mets didn't. So that's unfortunately the way we did that. And I think that after Chemgate, and after the break that we had, coming back to Fotstock, both of us didn't enjoy it anywhere near as much as, as we did anymore. And I started to find it a chore because... I didn't love FIFA in the same way anymore. So it was very difficult every week to sit and talk about a game and say things like, do you know what? This game's shit. Why are we all playing it? It's crap. Do you think Chemgate really, do you think that really sort of poisoned the uh, poisoned the water for you? Yeah, because in one way, what it did was um, we got we got a lot of, for the first time ever, we got a lot of negativity over that one from certain um people in the YouTube community and that kind of stuff. Um, it, it was Mets who got the brunt of it. I mean, I didn't have anything personally really to happen to me. It was Mets who got more um, backlash than me because he was a bit more vocal on Twitter and YouTube at the time. Um, so we... Uh, yeah, it was hard to enjoy it in the same way. And I think that... I think we just came to the solemn conclusion between us that we are just like, you know what? We don't enjoy this anymore. And I'd, I'd stopped enjoying it three or four weeks even before me and Matt had really started to talk about it. And we just came to an end. And it felt like, it felt like a good ending because um, I didn't miss it for the longest time until today. I, I'm so gutted. I mean, I get upset about it because Footstop for me was an, an idea for me. It was a peak of my life. I went from, we had an idea to do Footstock one afternoon and before you knew it, we were part of the Foothead podcast. We had, we had access to 108,000 subscribers on YouTube. We, we were people on the, in the FIFA community knew who we were. They wanted torches. They wanted interviews. I mean, we missed out on his way back. We didn't even know we'd, we knew who we were. And he, was, he tweeted about us. We, we only worked that out two years ago. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we stopped five years ago. Was it five years ago? Yeah, five years ago. Um, so, you know... It's an unspectacular ending. We just stopped enjoying it, and it didn't seem to be taking off as footstock again. And that's and the mistake there was doing it solely as a video podcast. That was the wrong. It, there was nothing wrong with doing it as a video, but abandoning the podcast was just it was stupid. It just didn't make any sense. And it was when, a really, really bad idea. 
we need to find a way to drag you back in somehow, Matt. We can, you know, maybe we can find a way I, to get you enjoying Div Rivals or something. I, or- I love, honestly, I, I mean, me and Matt, everybody knew we, we've been friends since we're 11 years old. Matt was my best man at my wedding. Like, me and him doing that podcast, it was like, it was joy, it was so joyous. Imagine being with your best mate and doing a podcast, and it's it's made a dent in the world. It was brilliant, but <laughs> it had its t- but it had its time. It had its time, and I think that you know people started to, and then of course other people came out uh, doing their own podcast. So just so you know, I, I mean, no disrespect, I'm not listening to another foot podcast ever. Like, I'm just not interested, and I'm and I only wish them, and that's not because I've got any beef with them or whatever. I don't know them. I only wish them well. That's I only I hope them. I hope they have just as good a time as we as we had, if not better. I'm sure people could do it better than us and have better better times of it and make more money out of it than we did. Um, so for me, it's just it's a shame that it is so unspectacular. At the end, there's no why law. I, mean, I wish I could say that like. Me and Matt's like, I don't know, he, 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 I caught him in bed with me, me, me girlfriend or something. And like, we did, it, like, there's nothing like that at all. You know, Tom was great with us at the end. He was disappointed we left the way that we did from Foothead. But he understood why we wanted to go on our own. Um, we just failed to launch, I think, once we got back to it. Uh, and I could, I could see the failures of it. But ultimately, how the hell, even if we'd done it perfectly and the numbers were good... We, I don't think we would have enjoyed it anyway. We just we we just reached the impasse where talking about FIFA had become a chore. It's such a shame, man. Such a shame. Mets, um, the man who, well, as we've just discovered now, fucked it all up by changing it to a video podcast. Jesus, I, I didn't um, say that. <laughs> we're we're going to agree to disagree on that one. I don't think that was the issue at all. But anyway, well, you've got a right to reply. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. So Matt's explained the history of how Footstock and the Foot Podcast came to be quite eloquently. So th- th- there's nothing really to add there. It's more about how it sort of came to an end. So we're talking end of FIFA 16, early FIFA 17, when Kengate occurred, and that left a nasty taste in our mouths. And I think as people who have been involved in the online gambling industry, either as customers or on the business side of things, it tests your morality on a sort of day-to-day basis, and you can kind of forgive yourself for your involvement in it on either side or however you want to put that. But at Kengate, I really struggled to come to, to grips with the morality aspect that I was doing a podcast to promote the best side of FIFA Ultimate Team when they were taking a giant shit in our collective mouths and I really didn't want to carry on promoting their game that I felt so bad about. I hadn't come to a point where the actual game was upsetting me as much as it did Matt, but it was the shady practices of EA in the time. And more so, I was deeply disappointed with the community at the time. Like, I felt they didn't deserve my my representation at that point. I don't mean jump in it. I just think it's dead important because we're talking about something that... Like, I'm going on five-year-old memories here, so... Uh, these are my recollections. That's all I can tell you. So I could be completely wrong with the way I remember it. I don't think as well. I'd just like to add there that a phrase that's bandied around all the time in FIFA at the moment is, oh, this is broken. That's broken. The game's so broken. Um, I, th- I think it's important to emphasise that actually back in the days of Chemgate, the game was literally broken. Literally. Yeah. Yeah, we all had a right to be pissed off with what was going on. And more so back then than there is today, there was a lot of talk about momentum 
and fixed outcomes of matches to a certain degree, card boosting, that kind of thing, by playing underpowered squads and getting an artificial boost off the game. And if you dared pipe up about it, even mention it, the amount of backlash you used mm. to get was profound. And that gets tiresome eventually, especially when EA turn about face and actually prove you right in one aspect and people still think you're talking out of your arse. So as I was saying, I was deeply disappointed with the community more than the physical game itself because that can be fixed. But the community's always been toxic as fuck. Right, I have to say, honestly, in my recollection, then I forgot about all that, but I've, I think I've compartmentalised that one because... Yeah, quite possible. I mean, you, you've been trauma. out of the loop for, for quite a while. I'm just going at it from, from my perspective. Seriously, this is wrong, honestly, for us, I think. For me, anyway, I've, no, I've not spoke about it. Yeah. So anyway, I got to the point whereby I didn't feel morally able to represent the good side of that game, given what had gone on, and I was pissed off with the community to the point where I didn't want to represent them anymore. So we were kind of ramping down as Kengate faded away, and it actually got to a point where I was upset and I was getting hounded by certain parts of the community, not naming one particular influencer in particular, and Matt just wasn't playing as much because he just wasn't getting on with the game. And we just didn't record... Uh, the Foothead podcast for quite a few weeks. We didn't announce that we weren't doing it. We didn't speak to Foothead. We just didn't turn up. And then I also got annoyed that why aren't they checking in to see if anything's wrong? Why aren't they following up as to why we're not producing this new content for them? I'm pretty sure I would have done. Jesus, I forgot all this. Yeah, several weeks later, they haven't spoken to us. We haven't spoken to them. I'm just like, well, they don't give a fuck about us. We don't give a fuck about the game and we don't give a fuck about the community. We're just not going to do any more podcasts the remainder of FIFA 7? No, Six, FIFA 16, 16 it would have been at the time. So we're talking about March time, coming towards the end of the game anyway. We just thought, well, we're not going to do any more podcasts this for the rest of this game cycle. And we'll see how we feel when FIFA 17 comes out. And eventually we parted with Foothead when they eventually did get in contact with us. And again, Tom's always been very kind to us, but one of the problems that we had in dealing with them that they were a little bit slow in turning our content around so we would record on a monday and it would go live on a thursday which for me i was never happy with which is why i wanted us to take control back so we could be more snappy and responding to what was going on in the game and in the community and that's when we decided to go back to doing footstock and i thought podcasting's kind of dead the money's in youtube because we wanted to monetize quite honestly we thought we we were doing good enough content to justify monetizing it and uh, i kind of thought well it was actually matt's idea first to do video no, completely yeah it wasn't my but, but you wanted to do podcasts as well as so i was like no if you do podcasts as well they'll never convert to video they'll just keep doing what they're they're currently doing and i kind of forced it down the video route exclusively yeah and that's obviously something that we've it's a circle that we've tried to square here with footballers and uh, never really come to any conclusion yeah, ourselves. Yeah, and plenty of know. people came with us, but um, you know, we only did, I'd say, about 10 episodes of Footstock during FIFA 17, and it wasn't growing. It was just sort of maintaining several hundred uh, views a week. But you know, it might have gotten to a point where it was worthwhile. But by the time we got into like, episode nine, Matt had a heart-to-heart with me and said, Luke, I've been kind of doing this against my volition I'm not happy about doing it. It's, it's basically causing real world issues. You know, you were getting you know pissed off with doing it and you didn't want to let me down. So you'd been doing it for several weeks where you really just didn't want to and you wanted to to put it to bed. And I was like, 
shocked because you hadn't mentioned it to me, but we just there and then, okay, psh, next episode is going to be the last one done. Just put a fork in it because we weren't thrilled with how things were going anyway. Oh, man. And, and, and then that was it. We, we sort of ended footstop on the story that China were going to force EA to print pack probabilities, which is now built into the game. So that was an interesting part in shot. Yeah, it was. On that one. And, uh, and that was it. That was the end for us and until Steve tapped me up a few weeks ago. I wasn't interested <laughs> at all in coming back, but here we are. I am the tapper-upper. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing, do you know me and Matt, me and Matt, we've barely talked about it and we haven't talked this much about Footstock since really. It isn't, don't, you think, don't you feel sad about it, Matt, now? Because I do. I mean, I'm close to tears. I genuinely, it's so sad how it went because uh, it, it was so joyous. And then, but it, I mean, obviously, mm. I'm, not, I'm sad it ended, but it, it ended weeks before then. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know if sad's the word. Kind of like word. a relationship where you're just sort of going through the motions at the end because you, it's, it's what you're familiar with and it's just comfortable. Yeah. Um, I didn't feel sad. I, I was kind of angry because I felt. And not necessarily angry at the time, and certainly not angry at you, but I became angry when I saw what I considered to be false pretenders sort of step into our gap. And and I'm not talking foot weekly here before anyone starts speculating, but just other content creators (laughs) step in and essentially make a very good living off doing subpar content compared to what we were doing. That pisses me off and, and i don't know because i've never listened to it i've never listened to any of them so i couldn't tell you whether yeah they i'm not talking po- necessarily podcasts i'm on about streamers i'm on about youtubers it's i just find it very weird how people attach themselves to such substandard content making and those people are rewarded for it just because they turn up essentially and we we stopped turning up so we were out of the game precisely so that that pisses me off take my word for it matt but weekly is absolutely excellent peerless okay moving on um, it's it's been quite a. I mean, yeah, I, I understand what you what you're saying, Matt, about you know it being quite emotional. I can imagine that it would be. I can I can kind of project myself into that position a bit. I think with the mm. sort of projects that I've taken on recently. Yeah, we well, have to remember that for us, it was entirely a passion project to begin with. Mm. We didn't have any intentions of it going to a certain level. I explained in last week's podcast, which you were uh, around for, Steve, so you might not have heard this, but. The way that it came about was me and Matt were serving a, a very small part of a, a non-FIFA community. We were members of the Football 365 Forum, yeah. the ultimate team thread on that forum, which maybe had 20 or 30 regulars in it. And we were getting, or I was getting asked the same questions over and over again, particularly about trading. And I just went to Matt one day, we should do a podcast about this and just answer all these questions. And I meant by a podcast, one episode that would explain everything. And they could just refer to that as a Bible. And, he, and you, you didn't know that I already had the idea for do something called Footstock. I literally had it written down. You didn't know. Yeah. So the two ideas combusted together and it blossomed into it awesome. this great thing. It was so and organic. Chew Boy blew us up and we're off to the races. But you know, we thought that was going to serve 20 or 30 people. We'd do one off, maybe a couple. And that would be it. And then it became, you know, a big thing. And it's it's nice when we come back onto Twitter or to stuff like footballers and the Foot Academy Patreon and, and the Discord, and they still talk about what we used to do. And you know, they accredit us as being, you know, the the first people on the foot podcast scene. And we don't know for a fact whether that's true or not, but it's nice that we're held in that regard. That still means something to us. And and 
I think it's fair to say that you were the first significant podcast, at least, you know. I mean, I refer to that you as the, the OGs, you know. God. Yeah. But, yeah, we should wrap up. But before we do, Metz, taking us back to last week's episode, my only real disappointment with that was the fact that you didn't actually reveal how the nickname Metz actually came into passing. So oh, maybe man. we need oh, a recap oh, of that. Oh, hang on. This is going to be an absolute story. This is, I'll, see if he does, I'll see if he tells the truth or he makes something up. Well, well I, I know one version. I'd, so, yeah, let's see. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, well, I've got to tell the bare-faced truth because Matt will correct me if I don't. So, um, again, it all harkens back to, to football 365. And when I first joined the forum well over 10, 15 years ago. Um, I always find it really hard to come up with good, good usernames like off the cuff on forums. So I tried to come up with something funny and I was a big fan of like battle-hardened defensive midfielders at the time. So I, I wanted to give myself a name around Gennaro Gattuso and I came up with the name Love Child of Gattuso. <laughs> anyway, that was the original account, right? And then I didn't log into it for a while and it got like went dormant, couldn't get into it, whatever. So I had to create a new account. And at that point, I was into sort of grisly-looking centre-backs, and I was a big fan of Christoph Metzelder at the time, so I became Wolfchild of Metzelder at that point. And in the forum, that's a bit of a fucking mouthful for people to type out, right? So they just referred to me as Metz. They shortened it down, and, and that, that stuck. So we just kept it at that. And why that became a feature on the podcast was it was a bit awkward for me and Matt to refer to each other as Matt and Matt. So he was Matt and I was Mets, and we went from there. There we and have it. The, the reason why it's, I was laughing so much about um, the love child of Metzalde is that people might not know this, about about 18 to, months or two years ago, Christoph Metzalde was actually busted in some kind of um, uh, uh, <laughs> child pornography um, sting. Yes, yeah, so, I, I, I didn't even know. I didn't even know how to broach the subject. Then it's like it's dead awkward, isn't it? But yeah, <laughs> if you search for him, you'll see what the story is. You'll and you'll see that he actually. I think he, I think he admitted the charge or whatever. But yeah, anyway, so it's pretty bad. And also the fact that he's called Love Child and Met Salder is just like it's it's peak dark humor, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and obviously since then, the, the, the Love Child and Met Salder uh, moniker uh, has been done away. You know, it's a bit like me calling myself Rolf Harris in it. It's just, it's just, you just don't you just or son of Rolf. Yeah, indeed. I used to call myself the Spanish Rolf Harris of social media when I started out in social media. That went that went away quite quickly as soon as he was found out. Yeah, um, I think this is probably a good point to draw the podcast to to a close. You have to let Matt end this. He, oh, he would, has you? A way yeah, would you? Things. Yeah, would uh, you? Yeah. Before, well, before <laughs> we do, there's, there's there's one final question, which I guess is how. Do we get Matt back into playing foot and back into the podcasting scene as a semi-regular member of the footballers team? My suggestion would be that EA should drop him some prime moments icon cards into his account. Um, Mets, any ideas? He can fucking pay for them. <laughs> He's got enough digital fucking fortune to uh, to splash out for a few prime moments in the team of the years. But what he needs is a, a circuit era uh, FIFA 15 special Eduardo Vargas, and then he'll be oh, back in the mate, game. I'd love that. That would be amazing. I'd be back on for that one all day long. Make him number two as well on my full FIFA Ultimate team. Well, whether you do get back into playing again, Matt, or whether it's just a case of hopping in occasionally for these sort of specially themed shows when 
something disastrous happens at EA, I'm sure the next one won't be too far around the corner. You know, it's been great to have you on. You're absolutely welcome on here anytime at all. Um, And I've loved it. I've really enjoyed this episode. Oh, thank you. I mean, just to say, you know, I'm honoured that you asked me. It's great. It's it's been it's been lovely to reconnect with the, the footstop footstop saga and to create uh, to um, reconnect with FIFA, which after all was a big part of my life and uh, a big part of my of joy in life at one point. So, um, with that, then I guess it's uh, time for us to say goodbye. I forgot. I've even forgotten how we used to do this, Mets. I used to say to you, you thank you for, for coming along. Thank you for coming along. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so Mets, uh, I'd like to thank you for coming along That's fine, the, the coming was most enjoyable this week It's been the best I've had for a few years God, It's like we've gone back in time, it's amazing uh, And then it's time for you to say your special Get past it, stolen goodbye Yes it is, thank you very much for, for listening And I uh, hope you enjoyed this trip back in time Into Footstock, Stroke, Foothead And of course, if you're playing Weekend League Don't have nightmares Thanks everybody Goodbye Bye. Podcast Network.